I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning and join me in the book of Genesis once again, Genesis chapter 8, beginning in verse 1 and walking through verse 22 this morning. That's where we'll spend our time together in God's Word. If you're new to North River Church, I want you to know that as we gather every week, this is exactly what we do. We sing praises to the Lord, and then we open God's Word together. We believe that God speaks through His Word. It's the only thing that He's promised will not return void. And so as we gather each week, we work through books of the Bible, we work through chapters, we work through verses together, we ask the Lord to speak to us through His Word. And so we're going to continue this morning, pick up. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, where we left off last week in a message entitled, Promise Keeper. Now, as we get ready to dive into the text this morning, I have a question for you. How many of you have ever had someone make a promise to you and not keep it? Ever had that happen? So I need you to know this about about me. I think that you could eat a balanced diet and only eat dessert. My wife chuckles because she knows that that's really probably what's going on. That and hamburgers, right? So those two things, that's a balanced diet. But here's the thing that we figured out, and she's balanced me in this way, and it's incredibly helpful. Uh, She's kind of helped us work into where we eat dessert on Friday nights. Friday night is our dessert night. And our kids know this, and heaven forbid... Friday arrives, and we don't eat dessert. In fact, there have been moments where my youngest has looked and said to us, if we say, we're just not going to eat dessert tonight, but you promised. You promised. You said you were going to do something, and you didn't follow through. You didn't do what you promised that you were going to do. You know, it's interesting as we look at Genesis chapter 8 this morning, what we're going to see is that we have a God who fulfills the promises that he makes. There's never a moment in scripture or in time where God doesn't fulfill what he promised that he would do. There's never a moment where we can look at God and say, but God, you promised and you didn't do it. In fact, at every turn, at every moment, at every promise, God can be depended on because He does what He says He will do. What we look and see in the text this morning is God fulfill a promise that He had made to Noah. And so I want to read the text for us, and then I want us to walk back through it together this morning as we consider that we have a God who is a promise keeper. This is what his word records in verse 1, beginning in chapter 8. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained And the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. 
At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. And then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot. And she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. And then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together. If you remember nothing else from this message this morning, I hope that you'll remember this truth, and it's this reality, the goodness and faithfulness of God is often revealed in the darkest and most difficult moments of our lives. The goodness and the faithfulness of God is often revealed in the darkest and the most difficult moments of our lives. Now you may say this morning, Pastor, I would much prefer that I experience God's goodness and God's faithfulness and not have to go through the difficult seasons of life. Wouldn't that be nice? 
Wouldn't it be nice not to have to navigate through those, not to have to deal with those, not to have to walk through the deep and the dark valleys that we have to walk through, but here's what you and I recognize and understand. Just because we may be followers of Jesus doesn't exempt us from walking through the difficult seasons of life. And when we look at the text this morning, we're going to see Noah walking through a pretty difficult season. You say, yeah, but God had saved him. Yes, but there was a whole lot of time before Noah was able to experience the fullness of what God had promised to him. There's a season of waiting. There's a season where Noah doesn't know exactly what's going on or how it's going to work out. And yet what we see is God fulfill the promise that he had made to Noah. Now here's the thing, you may have come in this morning and for you, you are sitting right now in a difficult season of your life. You're wondering, what is God up to? You're wondering, is God going to fulfill the promises that he's made? Is God going to do what his word promises that he's going to do as it relates to me being a follower of Jesus. Is God going to keep his word? You may look and say, Pastor, things are actually really pretty good in my life right now. I've said this to you before. The reality for every single one of us is that we are either right now walking through a difficult season in our lives or we have just come out of a difficult season in our lives as a follower of Jesus, or we're about to head into a difficult season of our life. And the question revolves around this. Will God keep his promises that he's made to his people? And I'm here to tell you this morning that we serve a God who keeps his promises. God is dependable and we can trust him. We're going to see that here on display in Genesis chapter 8 as it relates to God's promise to Noah. And so this morning, I want you to write down this first truth that we encounter in verses 1 through 5. And it's this, we serve a God who remembers us in our deepest moments of despair. We serve a God who remembers us in our deepest moments of despair. Look with me, beginning at verse 1. The text says, and I want you to take note of these first three words, but God remembered. God remembered Noah and the beast and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. Now let's Let's reverse just a little bit. Let's back up just a moment and remind ourselves of where Noah is in this point in the text. So God had made a judgment call on what was going on in the world. God had looked around and said, sin is just increasing at a rapid rate. When I look at the world and I survey the people who are on this planet, all I see is evil intentions in their hearts and them carrying out and fulfilling those sinful desires. And the Lord looks and he says, Noah is not like that. And he says to Noah, Noah, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make this promise to you. I'm going to send judgment on this earth against sin. And I'm going to wipe out every living thing that breathes on this planet. But Noah, I will save you and your family, any who enter into the ark that I've set aside 
as the promise salvation for you. And so we saw a couple of chapters ago that Noah begins building this ark. We said last week that it is the ark of salvation for Noah. It is the only means whereby Noah and his family can be saved from the judgment of God. And church, we said that it represents Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the only way that you and I can be forgiven of our sins, be brought into the family of God, have someone take the punishment that we deserve because of our sin. Jesus is the only way that we can be saved in the same way here that God had said to Noah, the ark is the only thing that will save you when the floodwaters come. But what's interesting is Noah, at this point, when we encounter him in verse 1 of chapter 8, is in the ark, rocking on the waters of the flood. And we really have no idea what's going on with him. It's interesting that prior to this moment, the Lord had spoken to Noah on several occasions. But as Noah is in the ark, we don't have any record whatsoever of God speaking to Noah in this. We don't know if there's communication going on. We have no idea whatsoever. And in fact, I would probably think that at this point in time, as Noah is in the ark, we're going to find out he'll be in there for over a year. He probably came to a moment where he wondered, is God going to do what he promised he was going to do? Is God going to fulfill the promise that he made to save me and then for me that all the rest of the earth would multiply and be filled once again? Noah in this moment likely is trying to figure out what in the world's going on. That's not that he didn't believe God was going to provide it, but It's often easy for us in a season of not hearing from the Lord, in a season of difficulty, of struggle, of wondering what is God up to? You say, Pastor, that seems a little little tough. I don't think you're supposed to think like that as a Christian. I think you're just supposed to think everything's going to work out fine. It's interesting when you read through the scriptures, you encounter followers of the Lord who actually express these things. You read through the Psalms and you realize that the psalmist says oftentimes, God, where are you? God, I believe, but I just don't see it. God, I trust you, but if I had to point it out in this moment, I don't see how you're at work. You may have come in this morning and for you, you're walking through a difficult season in your life. And you're a follower of Jesus and you're wondering, what is God doing? What is God up to? Is God going to come through? I just can't see it. And I want to encourage you this morning to cling to the first three words of verse 1. But God remembered. God remembered Noah and all the animals that were in the ark, Noah's family that was there. And I want you to notice that remember there doesn't mean for us like we misplaced our keys and we forgot where they were. Anybody have that happen this morning? Not always fun coming to church. You get, I don't know where my keys are. But that's not what's being described here. What's being described when God remembers is that God had previously made a promise to Noah and God is acting to fulfill the promise that he made. 
It's not like God woke up and went, oh man, I forgot Noah's in the ark. I didn't realize he was there. No, it's not that at all. It's God in this moment saying, I'm going to fulfill the promise that I made to Noah. God remembered Noah. And as a result, God acts, beginning at the second part of verse 1. God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained. The waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Remember that prior to this, the waters had exceeded the tops of the mountains. But the water is going down. Verse 5, the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. God acts. God remembers Noah and begins his work of fulfilling the promise that he had made to Noah. But I have to wonder, what was Noah thinking in this moment? What was Noah experiencing as he is simply waiting on God to act? You know, as we look, what we recognize is that every single one of us experience moments like this. Moments where we're wondering, what is God going to do? How is God going to come through? How is God going to fulfill the promise that he has made? How is God going to do what he promised to do in the lives of his people when we can't see it, when we can't understand it? And yet I'm here to tell you this morning that we have a God who always fulfills his promises. A God who always comes through. A God who does exactly what he says he's going to do. You may have come in this morning and for you, you're walking through a difficult season right now in your life. It's a medical diagnosis. It's the loss of a loved one. It's difficulty in your marriage or difficulty raising kids. It's a job loss. It's relationships that are teetering on the brink of dissolving. It's conflict that you're experiencing. And you're wondering, where is God in this moment? What's God going to do? Is he going to fulfill the promise that he made? You know, it's interesting when you read through the scriptures, you realize that for us, this is something we see on display constantly. So if you've come in this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm walking through a season in my life where I just don't know what God is doing. I don't know how God is going to fulfill the promise that he made. I want you to know you are in good company. In fact, we see it with Noah here. The Lord says he remembered Noah. We see it with Abraham. We're going to encounter that in the next few chapters as we continue working through the book of Genesis that God remembers Abraham, that God remembers Rachel, that God remembers Hannah, that God remembers Joseph, that God remembers the children of Israel, the promises that God has made to his people throughout history and even today he will fulfill. He is a promise keeping God. 
If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have experienced that to the utmost. Say, Pastor, what do you mean? What I want you to recognize and understand is that if you are a follower of Jesus here this morning, at your deepest and darkest moment of despair, lost in your sin, that Jesus Christ came to this earth, laid his life down for you, took your sin upon himself, paid the debt of sin that you owed and makes it possible for you to be taken from being an enemy of God to being a child of God in your deepest moment of despair. God fulfilled that promise. One of my favorite writers primarily because he's so practical when it comes to Scripture, is Warren Wearsby. And I want you to take note of what he said in relation to these verses and God fulfilling the promises that he makes. He said this, We can be sure that God never forgets or forsakes His people. Not only because of His promises, but also because of His character. God is love. And where there's love, there's faithfulness. He can never deny himself or his word. For he is the faithful God and he can never change because he's immutable. Because he's perfect, God can't change for the better. And because he's holy, he can't change for the worse. We can depend on Him no matter what our circumstances or no matter how we feel. You know, it's easy for us in a moment of discouragement, of despair, of not knowing what God is up to, not seeing the fulfillment of the promises that He's made. It's easy for us to come into that moment and to think, well, maybe He's not going to do it. I want you to notice you can trust God's faithfulness. You can trust His character. You can trust that He will accomplish exactly what He promises that He will accomplish. So here's the question then. In light of us seeing here that God remembered Noah, of God fulfilling, beginning the promise that He made to Noah, how then do we, as followers of Jesus, navigate these seasons in our lives where we don't understand what God's doing, where we can't see the fulfillment yet of what He's promised. How do we navigate that? How do we live through that? Because if you've walked through a season like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not easy. It's tough. It's difficult when you're navigating through that. So what's a practical way that we can do that well? I want you to take note first and foremost that you need to remind yourself that your circumstances and your feelings are not an accurate representation of God's posture towards you. Let me say that again. Your circumstances and your feelings are often not a good representation of how God looks at you. That's hard, isn't it? Because there's times when we look and we go, if I'm walking through a difficult season, God must therefore not like me very much. 
I want you to recognize and understand that that is not the case at all. We walk through difficult seasons of our lives oftentimes because God is doing something in us that he could only accomplish through that. You have to remind yourself of the reality of the truth of what his word says about him. One of the things that Pastor Aaron has shared with us in uh, and I kind of chuckle about it because he's tried to convince us that we need to try out the Oculus headset. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Virtual reality, all right? So it's like you can play games, you can box, you can do, I mean, there's all kinds of things. You put this headset on. And I've seen the videos. I don't know if you've seen the videos that people post where lamps are falling off the table, where ceiling fans are being broken because someone has locked into the situation in this virtual reality and forget that there's reality out here. But hear me this morning. If we're not careful in a season of struggle and of difficulty, we will do the exact same thing. We will so lock in to our circumstances and our feelings that we will lose sight of the reality of who our God is. So remind yourself that your circumstances or your feelings are not always an accurate representation of God's posture towards you. But then I want you to find an anchor point of truth to fix your gaze. Find an anchor point of truth to fix your eyes. I don't know if you've ever visited a lighthouse, but if you ever visit a lighthouse, what you recognize, especially if someone is telling you why the lighthouse is there and things like that, you realize that a lighthouse serves a very, very important function. It is a stationary location and object that helps ships who are walking or that are going through the coastline to be able to navigate where they're supposed to be. It's a fixed point of reference for them. And for us as followers of Jesus, we also need fixed points of reference as we're navigating the difficult and the unseen parts of what God is up to, to be able to fix our eyes on the truth of what we know about God and how he works. So practically, as we look and we're reminded that God remembered Noah, I want you as a follower of Jesus to be encouraged this morning that if you are living through one of those seasons right now, God remembers you. And God is at work even when you can't see it to bring about his plan and his purpose for your life. I want you to notice that as we continue and Verses 6 through verse 19, we see the second truth. We serve a God who graciously renews what we presumed was hopelessly lost. I want you to notice beginning in verse 6 and going through verse 19, we're going to see things turn. We're going to see the judgment of God subside. We're going to see God bring restoration and renewal on the earth. Verse 6, at the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made, and he sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. The raven would have been 
an animal that would have feasted on the carcasses of other animals that were floating on the waters at this point in time. And it says in verse 8, Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. A dove wouldn't have landed on a dead carcass, wouldn't have eaten from that, would have looked for a location that it could land on. And at this point, the dove found no place to set her foot. She returned to him on the ark. The waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and he took her and brought her into the ark with him. Verse 10, he waited another seven days. And again, he sent forth the dove out of the ark. Notice verse 11, the dove came back to him in the evening and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. This is the first glimmer of hope for Noah that God is renewing this earth that has just experienced judgment. It's this first moment for Noah to see, okay, God is about to renew and to restore all that was broken and all that was lost through the judgment of the flood. He waited another seven days in verse 10 after the dove came back to him with the olive leaf. He sent the dove back out and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, the first month, first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, the earth had dried out and in verse 15, the same God who had shut Noah in the ark in verse 15 says to Noah, go out from the ark you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you and bring out all of the living creatures. And at the end of verse 17, they would swarm the earth and be fruitful and multiply. And that's exactly what Noah did. After this season of God's judgment, after this season of Noah waiting and longing for God to fulfill His promise, we see it happening. We see the floodwaters go away. We see God begin to renew this earth that it experienced his judgment. And I want you to be reminded this morning that it is oftentimes difficult in the season of struggle, the season of our lives as believers where we don't know what God is up to. It's hard for us to have the hope of what God may very well do as a result of this season. In fact, as a pastor, one of the things that we are called to do is to walk with people through difficult seasons in their lives. To be there as marriages are struggling and seek to encourage and help them take that step forward to be involved in people's lives as they walk through loss and they experience the pain of broken relationships and the pain of infertility I mean to walk with people through that and it is heartbreaking at times to walk through those seasons it is heartbreaking for people who are living through that, but one of the most encouraging things as a pastor to witness 
is for God to begin to bring healing and renewal and restoration. To see God do what he promised that he would do. To see God, even when it looks like nothing is going to work out, for God to do what only he can do. I want you to know this morning that there are stories like that in this church. The followers of Jesus navigating through difficult seasons and seeing God show up and show out every single time. God is a promise keeper. God brings restoration and renewal even when we can't see it in the moment. So then how do we prepare ourselves for that? How do we prepare ourselves for God to do amazing and incredible things through the seasons of our lives when we're struggling and we don't understand how he's at work. And this first just practical thing, you're going to say, Pastor, I know we're in church and Jesus is always the answer. That's what we teach our kids, right? The answer for every question in the back this morning is Jesus, right? But I do want you to know that as we prepare our hearts to navigate these storms, as we think about God bringing renewal, one of the ways for us to do that is to look to Jesus. To look to Jesus. I want you to notice Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As a follower of Jesus this morning, we have a Savior who is able to identify with the dark seasons of our lives because he walked through it in an effort to save us from our sin. And he did it for the joy that was set before him. For you and for me, as we navigate these seasons, we can look to Jesus. Not only that, just a practical thing too. So many times we just want God to get us out. And I thought about that with Noah. Did you notice that Noah had sent the raven out? Noah had sent the dove out. Noah's watching as the floodwaters come down, but we wait until verse 15. I don't know about you, but I've been a bit stir-crazy at times. I mean, a, a couple of days in one location's enough. Like a week in a one location, start getting a little crazy. A month in the same spot, you want to punch somebody in the face, Right? Don't do that. But for Noah, it's been over a year that Noah has been waiting. And I don't know about you, but I'd have probably jumped out the window at that point. Hit the ground, be ready to go. But verse 15, Noah waited until God said, it's time to go. It's time to head out. It's time to do what I've called you to do now. 
Oftentimes, we want God to get us out of the situation when the reality is God wants to work in our lives through that situation, through that struggle, through that difficulty. It is oftentimes in moments like that that God does his most crucial work in our lives to make us more like Jesus. And too many times, we just want to hit the eject button and say, God, get me out of this. And God says, no, why don't you lean into me as I get you through this? If we'll take that mindset, it'll help us in these seasons of struggle and difficulty to recognize that God is working in our lives. I want you to notice this last truth we see in verses 20 through 22. We serve a God who is absolutely worthy of all the worship that we can offer. Noah comes out of the ark, verse 20, the very first thing Noah does, the text tells us is build an altar to the Lord. And he took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird, and he offered this as a burnt offering on the altar to the Lord. Noah worshiped God. Noah, on the back end of this, recognized God is deserving of worship. Yes, God had saved Noah and his family, but Noah had also seen the glimpse, the hope of what was to come. That God's judgment against sin had ultimately a solution. We're going to see in just a little bit that God begins the first part of his covenant with both Noah and his family and the rest of the earth not to flood the earth again and that type of judgment. We're going to see in chapter 9 that he continues with this covenant that he's making to Noah But couldn't you see in verse 20 in our day that Noah comes out of the ark and leaves a bad Yelp review? It smelled bad. It was a lot of work to feed those animals. I really didn't want to be in there, didn't have a lot of games to play. But instead of complaining... Noah worships. He lifts praises to the Lord. He offers sacrifices to God, builds an altar there before the Lord. The question for you and for me this morning as followers of Jesus, if that's who we are, is in the difficult seasons. And as we come out of those seasons, will we worship the Lord? Will we worship and praise his name? I'll tell you personally, for me, one of the things, just practically speaking, it is a whole lot easier to worship after that if I'm worshiping through that. Let me say that again. It's a whole lot easier for me to worship the Lord after a difficult season if I've been worshiping the Lord through that difficult season. And maybe for you this morning, the Lord's saying to you, worship me now. I know it's hard, I know it's painful, I know it's difficult, but worship me through this. And then lastly, 
as Noah offers this sacrifice of every clean animal, of all the clean birds on the altar. It reminds me of what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. For Noah, Noah offered these animals, but in a sense as well, Noah offered himself to the Lord and said, God, use me. On the back end of this season of struggle, of not knowing exactly what you're doing, but seeing your promises fulfilled, God, use me. Work through me. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that should be your prayer as well. And when we come to a time of invitation here in just a little bit, maybe for you it is laying your life on the altar and saying to God, God, here's my life. The struggle, the difficulty, when times are good and when things go well, I am placing myself on this altar as a living sacrifice, work in and through me for your glory and for my good. Maybe this morning you're here and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never experienced being taken from the absolute worst place you can be, and that is be deserving of God's judgment as a result of your sin. To be going from there to being a child of God as a result of faith in Jesus Christ. You have the opportunity this morning to do just that. Would you bow your heads with me this morning and close your eyes as our worship team makes their way back up? I want to give you just a few moments to respond to the Lord as we sing, and then we'll close out our service this morning as we celebrate communion together. But maybe for you, as you walk through a difficult season in your life as a follower of Jesus, you just need the encouragement today that God remembers you. That God is at work in your life right now. Even when you can't see it, even when you don't understand it. He's at work. And this is an opportunity for you to entrust yourself to a good and faithful God who keeps his promises. To worship him through the storm. To ask him to mold and to shape you during this season to be more like Jesus. Maybe today you just need the encouragement that his arms will wrap you up that you can lean on him maybe you're here and you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus as your savior and this is a wonderful opportunity for you to take that step to receive forgiveness to know that Jesus Christ took your sin upon himself and absorbed the wrath of God against sin on your behalf so that you 
can be forgiven and be brought into the family of God, you can receive that today. Father, we ask this morning as we have an opportunity to respond to your word and to your spirit that we would do just that. That we'd be encouraged and challenged by your word this morning. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and as our team plays this morning and before we take communion together, maybe you need to hit your knees right where you are. Maybe you need to spend a few moments here at the altar. Would you respond as the Lord leads you today?